there's a good portion of our audience who's probably listening to this going, I just do it all myself. Like, what do I need a travel agent for to begin with? Like, all of this concierge stuff is interesting, but that's really complicated. I'm just going on a regular old Disney cruise. So why do I need a travel agent? I will just put in a plug. My favorite thing about having a travel agent is I don't have to sit on hold with Disney ever. (laughs) (laughs) That's a huge bonus for me. everybody to this week's bonus episode of the DCL Duo podcast brought to you by My Path Unwinding Travel. And Sam, we actually have an agent for My Path Unwinding Travel with us today, in addition to a fabulous guest. You want to introduce the folks that we have joining us today for a really fun topic? Yes, I am super excited to have one returning guest join us. Although, as we were talking about off the air, I actually wasn't on the episode that she was on. It was just you and she, Brian. And of course, our one other guest with us as well. So I'd love to welcome to the show, Angie from My Path Unwinding Travel and Lindsay. Welcome, ladies. Hi, thank Thank you you so much for having us. Yeah, we're so excited to have you guys on here to talk about using a travel advisor for Disney Cruise Line. And so before we, of course, dive into that topic and get to the nitty gritty, we've got to ask your your cruising and Disney creds. Angie, I know you've been on the show before, but why don't you remind folks of your background, what you do for a living, of course, you've been on. Yeah, so I am an advisor with My Path Unwinding Travel, and I actually came upon that path because our leader, Karen, was my travel agent when I started booking Disney Cruise Line vacations and needed some help. So she was really the pathway to learning more about um, the Disney Cruise Line. And then also through what I learned, through my experience, through my now, thankfully, 12 cruises that I have been on with Disney Cruise Line and finally passed that platinum, then they moved that that end zone on me, <laughs> but that's okay. So through that then too, I also was able to uh, join the Plan Disney panel in 2019 and 2020. So I really got an opportunity to learn really the insides and outs of Disney cruising. And I've been on all five ships. I've been Europe, uh, the Caribbean, Alaska. So all of those really key points and those key destinations so that I can truly then now share that knowledge with other guests and other clients and help them to experience some of the magic that I have over the years. Awesome. We love it. Well, well and-, and I was going to say, I was going to say, Angie, they moved the goal line on you, but then they moved the goal line on us. So I mean, we made Pearl and now we got to get to 50 to get like some sort of plaque <laughs> on Castaway Key. So right? in zone keeps shifting. Yeah. I, I told my husband, I said, well, you are going to be loving me because I'm going to just keep booking them until we get that castaway key. Then, of course, they'll put a plaque on Lookout Point, right? And then, oh, yeah, uh, that'll be like, like 100. Yeah. So they're just going to keep moving that, but we'll keep going and we'll keep cruising. I'm 100% behind that. <laughs> well, what most people also don't know is they are giving some kind of gift to people who have 75 cruises or more. And I found that out from a friend of ours who has been on the show. Shout out to Alan. But they are, he is getting some kind kind of, I want to say it's like a little statue thing of Mickey or something like that. He sent me a picture of what it is. But yeah, so they there are actually other benefits not advertised by Disney quite yet, but there are benefits to, to different, different benchmarks. So constantly moving those benchmarks further and further out, of course. Well, Lindsay, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us your Disney background and Disney cruising background? 
Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. And I am a huge fan of the show too. So it's a pleasure to be on and to be on with Angie too. So super excited. So my background, I am not a you know travel advisor. I am not in that industry. I am a huge Disney fan, but I would not qualify myself as a super fan. Grew up going to trips to Disney World. I'm from the Midwest. Both Angie and I are Minnesotans. And so, you know, getting down into warmer weather during the cold winter months is um, a pastime of Minnesotans for sure. So familiar with Disney and, you know, all the Disney properties, but again, not an expert by any means and had never cruised before. It was, I think last spring break was the first kind of all family trip we had taken since my daughter, my youngest was born. She was my COVID baby. So she was born March 29th, 2020. And so, Oh, wow. We finally, yes, in the thick of it. So we finally reached the point last spring break where we did our family trip and we did Disneyland. And I am a planner. I'm very, you know, type A and did all that planning myself. And then we kind of decided that we wanted to try a Disney cruise. And that's kind of what brought me to, to you all and to, you know, share some of our learnings along the way there. So it was, it was definitely wonderful and a great experience. But having Angie was absolutely a game changer. Yeah. So I want to dive in right there because I think this is the perfect segue of tell us like you booked a Disney cruise with not with Angie and right. tell us what you booked and what kind of happened that ended up leading you to Angie. Let's put it that way. Brian and I know this background, but obviously our listeners don't. Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, I am very type A personality where I like to do my diligence and understand, you know, the cost benefit analysis of any trip that we're looking into. And so when we knew that we wanted to take a Disney cruise, I at least knew that I didn't know enough. And so I wanted to make sure that I was hiring an expert or what I thought to be an expert to help in that planning process. And so I'm sure like many of your listeners were trying to find, you know, opportunities for, you know, different either referrals or experts online that could help me book the cruise. And I quickly found like many others like, oh, well, it's not going to cost me any extra. And so I found what seemed to be a, you know, expert advisor and booked through, you know, that person through a different agency. And then was, you know, really excited. And I had booked the airfare in connection with that particular cruise that we booked, and then started listening to the podcast. And as I was listening, I was listening to some shows that were specific to concierge because we had booked at the time what we thought was concierge. And our booking window was approaching. And I hadn't heard anything from my advisor. And I'd reached out a couple times via email and hadn't heard anything back. And so like slowly the red flags are popping up. And she finally got back to me and said, well, you didn't book concierge. And no. I was like, what? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> yes. And she was in to back up a little bit. So we have a family of five, my husband and myself, and then three kids. And we are also not the greatest travel family as it you know relates to all of us sleeping in one 
place. <laughs> and so I was really particular about having a one bedroom. We just needed that separation. That's just how our family operates. And so when I had mentioned that to the original travel advisor, she had said, well, you know, there's one one bedroom available, like we can book it. it you are in concierge with booking that one bedroom. And I said, that's great. That's what we want. Mm -hmm. And then she went to book and said, well, that one bedroom is no longer available. So we just put you in a family suite. And I said, well, that's fine. We talked it through and said, okay, yep, if something opens up, we can switch. But it was made very clear to me after that point in time that that family suite was not a concierge family suite. And so oh, God, as you can imagine, so wait, yeah, let, me, let, me, let me pause you there for a second. I, I actually, let, let me rewind for a second. Then I want to come back to this point. You mentioned that you went out and you, you know, you found someone you felt to be sort of a really professional travel agent. I'm curious, how did you go about doing that? What were the things you were looking at going, this person knows what they're doing? Again, we don't need names. We don't want to mention agencies and all that yeah. sort of good stuff. But like, what were the factors you're going, yeah, this person seems like they're the one for me. Like, how did you land on this particular TA? That is a really good question. And I think there's so much information out there, right, that a lot of things can be misconceiving and 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 a little deceiving too, right? There, there's, I was looking, I mean, online, I was asking friends for references. And to be honest, I feel like I was so overwhelmed with the amount of different providers out there that I can't even pinpoint exactly how I landed on this particular agency. But I do recall some of the things that were appealing at the front end that turned out to be a little bit of a red herring, if you will, were the offers for the credits on board. There were claims, I would say, of expertise or, you know, we book all of these cruises or we're mm -hmm. Disney experts. Mm -hmm. And then I think what was interesting to me that kind of in hindsight got me was when I had reached out originally, immediately they came back with like a very beautiful, like almost like PowerPoint presentation mm -hmm. of all of the details about like the ship and, you know, with beautiful pictures. And it looked like very professional, very well mm -hmm. organized and, you know, had a good website presence, all of the things that you would typically look for to kind of check those boxes. And that's what really led me in originally. But what I quickly realized is that while very professional and had wonderful materials, it, this this particular person was not an expert when it came to Disney cruises themselves. Mm -hmm. And that was really kind of the the piece of it where that it fell through the cracks, I think. And mm -hmm. and did you when you say that they were advertising expertise, did 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 you have a sense of how long they had been doing this? Because in just a second, because and I want to come to Ian. I will just say this, like I run across a new travel agent in the Disney space just about every day online. <laughs> and so I know that there are a lot of people out there who are new to this, who do this kind of part time or on the side, who aren't in it full time, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but do you have a sense of like what this agent's experience was with booking Disney or what they were representing their experience was? They were representing like m kind of the generic like multiple years. And I could tell like from their website presence too, that they had definitely been in the industry for, you know, maybe five to 10 years. Okay. But it, again, looking back, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty. Sure. That experience and industry expertise was not at 
all focused on Disney cruises mm-hmm. and was perhaps maybe like a expertise in like family vacation planning right. or, or even like parks, even- vacations, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. one thing I think one important aside to mention for folks who are listening and heard the term onboard credit. I want to explain what that is for a second. So travel advisors receive a commission from Disney so that you do not pay anything for cruises and for parks, vacations, generally speaking. So for these sort of packages, I'll call them. And so you don't pay anything. They're paid the commission from Disney or obviously from Universal if it's, you know, or from Royal Caribbean or whatever, depending upon what kind of vacation that you get. And an onboard credit is where the travel advisor is giving up a portion of their commission and giving it to you as onboard credit, meaning so that you can maybe, I don't know, use it towards a spa treatment or a shore excursion or whatever. And there are certain agencies that advertise how much they give as onboard credit and they try to entice you. Yeah, it's usually in relation to your spend as well. So if you're booking more expensive rooms, they give you a little bit more because they're getting a little bit more all of that sort of stuff. I mean, Sam, I think we should pause because Angie probably knows more about this yes. than you do. So why don't we have her validate that you're on the right path here and how Ornberg credit works. But I also want to hear from Angie, uh, I guess, in response to the question I raised earlier, what should people be? How should people go about picking a travel agent? Because we're already hearing some bumps in the road here. And so I, w- I want to hear your thoughts on how do I go find a good travel agent amidst all of the all of the travel agencies that are out there? But, but why don't you finish up the Ornberg credit piece as well? Yeah. So you you hit the nail on the head with the onboard credit. It truly is a part of we're giving part of our commission back to you for booking with us. And, you know, when my path unwinding, we kind of look at that as, is that an incentive we want to offer? Is that something that we do want to offer to our guests? And there are situations where we may do that. But a lot of times we truly focus on being a full service travel agency. So we want to make sure that we help you from the time that you are exploring even booking your vacation all the way until you arrive home and beyond. So for us, we truly want to make sure that we're adding that value to that. And there might be other things along the line that we offer that we feel like that commission is well earned for what we provide. And so I think that's kind of where our point of view lies. And hopefully my fellow agents would agree with that approach. But we offer that value to make sure that your vacation, which is an investment, is truly that. So when you feel like you've booked something, and let's face it, Disney Cruise Line is an investment. You are choosing that get that level of service experience magic based off of we do pay a higher premium for that, right? So I want to make sure that like with Lindsay, we were making sure she had the correct stateroom, that she felt comfortable with the accommodations, that Everything that comes along with cruising concierge, all of those perks that she was taking advantage of that. So all of that conversation, all of that focus really is part of what we do. And so that's kind of why we try to, you know, steer away from onboard credit and offer that value in another way to our clients. As far as trying to find the right travel agent, I always focus on making sure that we have a conversation about what you're trying to accomplish for your vacation. So I think when you start that conversation and are looking for somebody, you might go to you know your trusted advisors. So like DCL Duo, understanding what experiences that your cruisers have had and have shared in podcasts, have shared on your Facebook group, things like that, so that you have a feel for that. But I always tell people too, you know, 
talk to the people around you, the people that you trust their opinion, your family, your friends. Have they cruised with Disney before? Did they use a travel agency? Did they get connected with somebody that really helped them through the process? Because you want to understand what you're going to expect from that experience. So you can start with some of those key places to find an agency, but then you really have to interview somebody. Like, it sounds crazy, but you have to ask the questions to say, what do you offer? What support do you provide me? How many cruises have you been on? Have you been on this ship? Have you been to this destination? Because you want somebody to guide you that has that personal experience because you're going to get more out of that relationship then. You're going to get that firsthand knowledge. I've been here. I ate at 1923. This dish is fabulous. This dish, eh, I would stay away from it. You don't want that for yeah. dinner. <laughs> you want that level of detail. And I yeah. think that if you ask those questions up front, you position yourself to find somebody that's a good match for you. And like, you also talk about fit. So do you want somebody that's going to take all those steps or do you want to have more control? Mm -hmm. Do you want to book your um, port adventures? Do you want to send your note to concierge if you're booking ahead of time? So you want to ask those questions also to set the playing field for the rest of your relationship that this is what I'm going to own. This is what I want you to own. And I think that's where that value of finding the right person and doing your due diligence to find the right travel agency match is really important. Yeah, I, I, I want to underscore the the interview your agent. So we, we use we use an agent at My Path Unwinding that we absolutely adore, but we effectively got a chance to meet her and interview her while we were sailing concierge for the first time on the Wonder. And we had been working with another agent at a different travel agency who we still absolutely love and adore. And occasionally we still have her book things, but we have them book things in their areas of expertise, right? So when we wanted to book Galactic Star Cruiser. We went with a different agent because her family had experienced it several times. She knew what it was all about. She knew how important it was. She knew what all the options were. And I'd say the same thing with Disney Cruise Line and Concierge. Lots of people out there who sail Disney Cruise Line who are booking Concierge but have never gone through the experience themselves. They don't know what they don't know, right? That's mm -hmm. the, <laughs> they, they don't know about all the perks necessarily. They only know what Disney tells them or what they hear from other people. And I can tell you just podcasting in this space, it is impossible to keep up with the nature of the offering that Disney provides, even on board the cruise line, much less the parks with day-to-day -day changes and, and all of this sort of stuff. So 100% support that, like spend time with the agent and understand if they're the right fit for you. Well, let's go back over to Lindsay for a second. So Lindsay, you find out, <laughs> my God, I would be... I would be. I would need a razor. Ryan would be freaking out. If, like this if, is. If this some, is. If somebody, this is like Ryan's yeah. nightmare, Lindsay. Like Brian is yeah. super type A. Like the extreme type A. Sorry, honey, yeah. but loves to like control the planning. And if somebody had booked us the wrong like category stateroom, um, not just like not our preference, but outside of you know concierge when we wanted to book concierge, like we would have been upset at the first. Snafu. I think my I think my first response bedroom. my first response would have been you did what now you made a decision for me and you didn't tell me right like yeah. that's or that's a me. huge that's yeah. a huge problem for me but okay so you find out wrong stateroom you're gonna be in a family suite you're gonna hold out you're gonna wait let's pick up the story from there so did you did, yeah so what what's what comes next here. Well, obviously, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with just like the wave of like disappointment and frustration in the situation. And mind you, like I had already booked our flights. I had, so if we were, you know, kind of locked into this specific cruise and like the timing of it all. And we happened to cruise out of San Diego. So it's not like a port that, you know, we would frequent yeah. necessarily or that Disney frequents at that time. And so, I, you know, again, the lessons learned throughout this whole process were huge. 
And I think one of the key lessons that I learned was how hard it is to cancel and get out of your relationship. I say that loosely with a travel advisor. And especially now that we're kind of at this like contentious point where she knew I was extremely frustrated and disappointed. She said that she would kind of have us on like the wait list to get into a concierge room, the trust, but had really been eroded at that point. And I just had a really hard time even imagining spending that amount of money with somebody that I had lost trust in and was just really frustrated with. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how I went again about utilizing the resources from Desail Duo and my path unwinding and immediately went to my path unwinding's website looked through the travel agents and I just so happened to find Angie who not only did her bio kind of speak to me and her expertise around not only traveling from a family perspective but cruising and cruising concierge and like it was kind of just like an added bonus that she was also a Minnesotan and <laughs> like that. trusted you know and you know what really is I think exemplifies who Angie is is when I reached out to her I explained the situation one I was trying to understand like am I missing something here like mm-hmm. is it really this difficult for me to like it get out of this relationship with this particular um, travel advisor. And she was extremely thoughtful in her response and professional. She at no point in time was trying to convince me to drop the other advisor for Mm -hmm. her. It was just right out of the gates, super helpful saying, you know, here's how I can help you navigate through this. Here's some things to look for. Here's some things to recommend to your current advisor. Mm -hmm. And knowing the whole time that there was like nothing in this for her right Mm -hmm. in this moment. Like she was just trying to step in and help, you know, this woman who like reaches out in like a panic via email and like just even the immediacy of her emails was extremely helpful. And so the one benefit, and there was some other kind of, you know, roadblocks and in different turning points within the saga. But the one thing that was helpful in the fact that this particular advisor did not book concierge is that we were still within the cancellation window. And so while I, you know, I do not like taking this position of, you know, making anybody do any work and then kind of ditching them, I did really feel strongly that we did want to go on this cruise. And Angie was more proactive than our other advisor was. And she was like, Hey, I am seeing that there's a concierge room, one bedroom open. Now I can, you know, put a hold on, hold on. I don't even think she offered to put a hold on. I think she's like, tell your advisor mm-hmm. to, you know, to essentially jump on this. And I was like, Angie, can I just cancel with them? And like, can you put a hold on it? And can I book with you and like transition everything? And ultimately that, and it was my call. It was Mm -hmm. not, again, just to clarify, it was not Angie pushing that. And so I was able to cancel the whole cruise Uh and then rebook through Angie. And that's like when the, you know, the heavens opened, if you will. And <laughs> all, all good things happened from there. Let me let me ask a follow up question to Angie on this. Angie, explain. I know the answer to this question, but explain for our listeners what the 
what the logistics are of detaching a travel agent from a booking, right? How do you divorce um, your travel agent? Yeah. Right. So yeah, t- tell us, like, is this a thing you can actually do? And if you can, can you then assign that same booking to another travel agent? Yeah. Once it's booked, with your, if you're within 30 days, you can transfer it if you book it like directly with Disney, right? But once it is booked with a travel agent, it stays with that agency. So the agency itself has to release that booking and you have to get sign off. And if I'm being real, as an agent, I would hate to have to move somebody to a different agent <laughs> because I wasn't doing my job. You're basically getting fired. Right. It would be like kind of one of those moments where you have to ask yourself, am I doing a good job as a travel agent? Because that is very difficult to have a conversation. You'd have to come to grips with, I was not a good fit for this person. But it truly does have to be released. So the, the situation we're running in with Lindsay is if she were to keep that same room, keep that same booking, she would have to have that travel agent and their agency release that booking mm-hmm. to a different agency or to her so that she could own it independently. Right. Well, and the reality is that they may... The agent may be willing to let it go, but the agency may not. The agency would probably step in and say, well, we'll get you a different travel advisor. We've got someone here who's fabulous and right, all right. of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, and and even just upgrading that booking in the sense of if you were to keep that booking, but just upgrade to a, a different category room because that one bedroom became available, probably somebody you know canceled or moved their cruise. Again, it's still that same booking. So it stays with that same advisor and that same agency. So, but one thing, you know, that you mentioned, Lindsay, is that this was you were able to do the cancellation because it was not a concierge booking. So I'm going to let Angie explain the answer to that. Why is that you can cancel a booking that is not concierge, but maybe there's a different answer if you have a concierge booking? Yeah. So concierge, when you put in a deposit and when you book it, that becomes a non-refundable deposit. So there may be situations where you can change a sailing, you can move it, but you cannot cancel that once that deposit is paid. That is, you are in with Disney Cruise Line for that amount. And so if it is not a concierge room, there are different date deadlines for once you hit a specific paid in full date or you hit specific payment dates that you can then cancel. And there may be cancellation fees of your deposit or a percentage Mm -hmm. of the cruise fare, depending how close you are to the sale date. But if you are outside of that window, you can cancel with Disney Cruise Line with no penalty. And that's kind of what we invoked in this situation. Well, and even on concierge, I'll say this ahead of pay in full, you can you can move the reservation, you can't cancel it, but you can hold on to it and move it because we are doing that right now with an Alaska cruise. For, <laughs> and you can even move it. Yeah. And you can even move it to a non concierge sailing. However, it its character as a concierge deposit always stays the same, meaning yeah. you can never get it refunded. So if you do, you can't game the rules by switching it to a non-concierge sailing and then getting a refund. You know, and, and the pitfall of it applies to each guest on the reservation. So like the, the reservation we have is actually for the three of us and our family, plus Sam's mom. We were supposed to go to Alaska. We can't repurpose that to a sailing that like Sam and Nathan and I want to go on that her mother doesn't. We will lose her mom's portion of the concierge deposit. I think one other thing I'd highlight, and Angie, I think you would echo, is when you're looking to sort of split up and get a new travel agent, if you are on board and you decide to buy one of those fabulous 10% off a cruise you know, placeholders Placeholder, on Disney yeah. Cruise Line, you have to make sure that you get it to you. Otherwise, it's automatically being assigned back to the agency that you were using. And as Angie mentioned, once you have it 
assigned to you, you can sign some paperwork. I've done this in the past and it sh- you can give it to the new travel agents that you want to work with. So, But if you just buy it on board through the app and you don't make the election, it will go back to the agency that we're using before. So we've had some friends, for instance, who have used Costco who have faced that problem because <laughs> they hated working with Costco and they had to, they had to do some machinations to get a placeholder yeah. back to themselves. And- and I will say, I think there is a, you know, as we talked about the onboard credit, one of that being a, a major draw for some people. And to me, you know, a $100 onboard credit is not as important as if, you know, my family members get COVID and can't go on a, a Trans-Pacific cruise and I need someone like Kim to step in and figure out like hotels for them at on Oahu, right? So there are huge benefits to having a really good travel advisor that I think to me, balance out against a a $100, $200 on board. Yeah. That's the thing is, especially when you're talking about, I'll just say this, I think a lot of us has been focused on booking concierge, but booking a Disney cruise is expensive. Mm -hmm. If you want to get it right and you want to maximize the experience, sure, we've got tips and tricks that we give out every week on our podcast, but these travel agencies and travel agents and my path unwinding from our own experience, they are keeping up with what's going on on board. We learn things from them all the time. We learn things from people who are sailing out there all the time. And so using someone who's knowledgeable is going to help you have the best experience for the dollar. And, you know, look, do I like getting an onboard credit? Sure. Right. Sure. But in reality, when you're spending thousands of dollars and getting a hundred or $150 back, like what is that to you really? I, I have a friend here who worked in recruiting at a tech company. And he, you know, would always quibble with people. They'd be like, Oh, I want more salaries. Like what, what for? Like, what are you needing that for? as against the experience you're going to have with us versus someone else, you know, those, that's the questions I would ask here is getting the best out of your vacation. You know, is, what is that worth to you as opposed to getting an okay vacation with some onboard credit? And for some people, onboard credit is going to be the most important factor. We get it. For us, I'd rather just make sure we're getting the best out of our vacation. And I can safely say the agent that we use right now at My Path and Winding, and I'm, I'm just not saying her name because I know she's really not looking for a flood of business <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. We'll, and, send, and, we'll and, send you to Angie. Yeah, Angie's <laughs> fabulous. We love Angie and we love all the agents over there. But I, you know, I know that she's going to be responsive to us. She's going to give us the information. She, I mean, at one point we were asking her, we're taking a Royal Caribbean cruise that she booked for us. And we were asking her all these questions about what do we do at Labadee? What do we do at Coco Key? And she, I guess, Angie, you all had a discussion with the Royal Caribbean representative. And she was like, so I want to talk to you about what the offerings are on the islands because I've got some clients that like are going to sail there. And we want to figure out what the best options are for them. And like, I I was like blown away. And we got this like nice long email with like, consider this, consider this, consider this. So it's, it's been fantastic. I also just one last thing, I want to go back and pick up on something, Lindsay, that you mentioned about, you know, Angie sort of doing this out of the kindness of her heart to some extent, right? I found that especially with the agents we've encountered at My Path Unwinding, like Karen, the owner who's been on our show several times, she maintains, and other agents maintain a lot of great Facebook groups. And they are freely giving out information to thousands of people who are not their clients (laughs) about how to think about tipping in concierge, what the new concierge offering is around shows. Like They're constantly publicizing those tips. And I'm not going to be naive enough to say that's not marketing. I get it. But at the same time, they're not kicking people out of the group who aren't using the tips. So they're kind of giving you the benefit of their expertise even if you're not booking with them. And I think that that is is just such emblematic of the service that they're trying to provide. I mean, that's essentially what Sam and I experienced in kind of a two-on-one or one-on-one way with Kaylee when we when we were on The Wonder. Oh, I gave her her name. But anyway, <laughs> that's what we experienced on The Wonder. 
And it was just like, we had basic questions. Like this was our first time in concierge. How much do we tip these people? And she's like, let me, let me just walk you through kind of the whole process here. And so that was just super helpful, even though we hadn't booked pickers with her. So yeah. yeah. I mean, I think too, like the trust factor is huge. I mean, mm-hmm. just like many people utilize, you know, real estate agents and financial planners and other things like this is like not only a investment, like Disney cruises are not cheap. You are also, you know, for us, this was our first cruise and like I run high on anxiety. I have a, you know, now nine-year-old who's also very anxious of like, you're in the middle of the ocean. You (laughs) want to know that there is somebody that's looking out for you in addition to that. And, And somebody that you can build that trust with, to Angie's earlier point, also understands, you know, what is important to your family? And that, again, looking back with the original um, advisor that we had been working with, I, I realized that when I was saying, you know, our family doesn't do well sleeping in like one space. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, don't worry about it. You are going to be, you know, hardly in the room at all. And you'll be fine, like almost very dismissive. And I was like, no, 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 this is more about like actual like sleep and right, getting right. good functioning sleep. And so just having, again, Hindsight's 2020, but having the wherewithal to to see like, oh, this person gets what I'm trying to accomplish here and what's really important to me and my family. And like Angie did that in spades. And also, you know, she realized that I'm sure very quickly that I, you know, was a planner and also was, you know, kind of my mind is list oriented and, you know, kind of like checking the box. And so she responded very well to that kind of process of mine and just really met me where I was at as far as what we needed for, you know, this particular trip. And I think part of that why too is we were taking a very short cruise Mm -hmm. and we needed, this was our first cruise. We wanted to kind of dip our toe in the water, but we also wanted to maximize our time that was there. And so she was really helpful to kind of, you know, again, walk us through how we best do that so that we weren't kind of left with, you know, oh, I wish we would have had the opportunity to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Well, and with kids, I think it's pretty important too, that that first experience goes well, or else it's like, "Mm, I don't like it. I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I think this, this brings a good point. What kinds of things did you, you know, do with Angie from a pre-planning standpoint and how did you go about booking, you know, when you're, when your window opened, right? Did, you know, who drafted the email? What, where did the information for the email come from? And when I say email, for those who haven't heard us talk about concierge before at 130 days, you can send an email to Shoreside essentially telling them what you want them to book for you. And then it gets populated into your app or at least whatever they were able to book for you. And then once the Pearl window opens at, I think, 123 days, then you can do stuff yourself. But yeah, so how did you guys guys go about doing that? Well, I'll start with Lindsay. Yeah, so I think one really important thing that is not directly connected, but that you kind of started off with, with some of the planning that you know, in hindsight, I realized that it probably would have looked very different had I started with Angie is, and this is from listening to the podcast too, is I have constantly heard your guests talk about how the three night cruise was way too short. And I kind of dismissed it as like, oh, those are just super Disney cruise fans who just want to spend as much time as possible on these ships. They're not, you know, like me who just needs to dip their toe in the water. But I will say from my experience, and again, I think this would have been different had I 
booked beginning with Angie and kind of gone through this process was I realized that with some of the un, you know, out of anybody's control, like delays with boarding the ship mm-hmm. or with like the, you know, I didn't even really, I think I didn't even realize at the time, like how early you disembark on that last day of the amount of time, effort, money that goes into planning a Disney cruise. That for me was like, oh, now I get it. Now I get why people don't want to do or don't prefer to do the three night cruises, even if you're dipping your toe into the water, because you like there's so much going into it and then there's like such a consolidated amount of time it's a lot of work for three days right it's a lot of work for three days on board because you really don't get much of the you know the first day embarkation day you get you know an afternoon and as you mentioned debarkation day you get like nothing you get well that's right that's why they that's why the advertisement is number of nights Nights, not number of days yeah yeah and yeah i agree if you you get maybe a half day on the first day Maybe, but you got to unpack, you got muster drill, right? And so those things eat up time. So really, you know, maybe about a half of a day if you get on early, maybe less if later. And then, yeah, on the last day, nothing is open. All you're getting is food and kicked off the boat, right? So, yeah. yeah so, and, and they want you out of your stateroom at like 6.45 in the morning for breakfast if they can get you out of there. So, yeah, it really becomes a two-day cruise. And on the second day, part of the day is taken up with packing and dealing with the tip envelopes and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it goes, you get one solid day on the ship and then, you know, yeah. Yeah. And I very quickly realized that. And so I I do preface that with the fact that, you know, I'm very confident had we started the evaluation process with Angie, it would have looked very different, but because we didn't, and because we were essentially already locked in to this particular cruise. And I mean, locked in by, you know, we could have done a lot of things, but it was a school break for the kids. We booked the flights, all of that. And so for some of those booking pieces, again, we had already, we were already in, I believe. And because we were doing the Baja cruise out of San Diego, we fortunately were not in a position where we were trying to scramble to get, you know, a, you know, anything specific with like Castaway right. or anything. Cabana, right. It's right. Not, you don't have cabanas on the West Coast cruise. The biggest thing with concierge, I think people have heard us talk about it, the 130 day booking window. And on the wish is is the most coveted, right? The most difficult to get is those those coveted cabanas, right? And so, you know, outside of concierge is very, very, very difficult to get a cabana. And even inside of concierge, difficult to get a cabana on the wish. So, but yeah, if you're sailing a West Coast cruise, whether you're sailing out of San Diego or Vancouver, the cabanas are not an issue. But there are other things that might be an issue. There might be excursions. Alaska, for example, the Mendenhall Glacier excursion, that's a big one. San Diego, less so, right? Like yeah. the Baja cruises, there's, you know, there are some, there's a fishing excursion that a lot of people want to do. I, I think it's out of Cabo uh, yeah, that tends the, to book up because it's a very small one. There's but even other a couple. Than that, there's even a couple in Ensenada, like the La Bufadora kayaking excursion tends to book oh, up yeah. when it opens up. I think there's like a wine tasting excursion that's gotten fairly popular. And then brunch, Palo brunch, obviously, will be sure. difficult on a three-night sailing because you're only going to get one morning of it. So if you're, you know, you don't book it right away. Was there anything you wanted to book, Lindsay, that you couldn't? No. And I think one... it. And Angie really helped validate. Like we were kind of like, oh, I don't even think we're going to get off the ship, to be honest. Like we had really like 
no interest in, you know, any of the excursions that were in Ensenada. And she was very, you know, supportive of that and validated like, oh, yes, like there's plenty for you to do. If you have no interest in this particular port, don't worry about it. And was able to kind of walk us through what would be available while we were still aboard the ship. And so we talked through all kinds of like the different, not only options from a booking perspective, but from Sam, you mentioned the email, right? To the concierge with respect to kind of the room, I'll just come room offerings. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I think Angie was really helpful with was, you know, Brian, you mentioned the Facebook and, you know, other feeds where there's helpful information shared there. Mm-hmm. Angie was also helpful in kind of like setting me straight on misinformation, right? <laughs> oh, um, yeah, that's a huge one. Lindsay. <laughs> where I was like, oh, well, I read somewhere that you can request fans in the room and, and maybe on like certain ships you can. But she was like, no, unfortunately, not on these ones. Or like I'd ask about sound machines. And like, she did not only said like, oh, no, don't do that. Or they don't allow that. But she was also like, here's what has worked really well for my family as an alternative and had like helped provide some of those as well. So again, like the list of kind of above and beyonds and like helpful guidance that Angie provided, I could go on and on. But that's really kind of as we were ticking through that particular list of accommodations, if you will, within the stateroom, Mm -hmm. Angie really was able to start with like a solid, like, here's what people typically ask for, here's what's available. What else are you thinking about? Kind of what do you like? And also was like, you know, I'm also going to make these extra requests knowing how old your kids are Mm -hmm. and what I've seen be really cute or fun and would just like proactively do some of that as well. Hey, DCL Duo fans, you know, we get the question all the time, should I use a travel agent to book my next Disney cruise or should I just book with Disney directly? And I'm going to tell you, if you have that question in the back of your mind right now, you should stop what you're doing and head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo. The folks over at My Path Unwinding provide an amazing service. They are so knowledgeable and so friendly. We rely on them ourselves to book our family vacations and they provide an amazing service. And the best part is you don't pay anything extra for it. Disney, other tour providers, and other cruise lines have built the cost of their commission into their pricing. So if you're booking directly, you are just paying that money back to the provider when you could be spending it on the kind of service you would get from My Path Unwinding Travel. You've heard from their agents on our show. They are so knowledgeable, so giving of their time. They know so much about Disney Cruise Line, Sailing Concierge, other cruise lines, other all-inclusive vacations and adventures by Disney that if you have a vacation in mind, they are the ones to book it for you. So again, head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL duo so they know we sent you their way thanks my path unwinding for sponsoring the show and with that back to our episode yeah angie i'm wondering if you can share i've I've sort of two questions for you maybe to wind us down here for a second Uh, first i'm wondering if you can share like what the division of labor looks like most of the time especially when you think about concierge booking because i'm i may be the oddity but i like to send my own email i just kill my email i do the delayed send like you know our agents always wonderful about do you want me to send the email i'm good i've got it like email address a delayed send i'm i'm good to go but do you typically see people doing that and and what are the like what are the other things that you you know that that having a ta 
helps with, right? Because there's there's a good portion of our audience who's probably listening to this going, I just do it all myself. Like, what do I need a travel agent for to begin with? Like, all of this concierge stuff is interesting, but that's really complicated. I'm just going on a regular old Disney cruise, so why do I need a travel agent? I will just put in a plug. My favorite thing about having a travel agent is I don't have to sit on hold with Disney ever. (laughs) (laughs) That's a huge bonus for me. And so, but Angie, talk through some of those, like, what are the things that you kind of do as the TA to help ease the load? And what does the vision of labor really look like typically for you and your clients? Yeah, so I will say just with my clients in general, I have found that it's probably like on average 70-30. So like some of my clients will want to go and look at their port adventures, will want to look at you know times that when their booking window opens, what's available because they want to be able to make quick decisions. And if this isn't available, I want to go to this. And we mm-hmm. talk through all of that and plan it together. But sometimes my folks like to get up at you know, midnight and do that. But for the most part, like I had a client that their opening day, their advanced booking window opened on Christmas Eve. And they're like, I really don't want to be up on Christmas Eve at midnight because I'm probably going to be wrapping presents. I don't really want to put my book at Port Adventure. So we talk through the timing of it too, to make sure that if they're not available, I'm available. But then, you know, it's even some of the little things like to Brian, to your point, if they have a change, if they want to add transportation, but it's only one way, if they want to understand prepaid gratuities and add them, those are the things that I can take it off your plate while you're, you know, playing with your kids and, you know, doing Tetris and making dinner. I can go ahead and sit on wait for a representative, talk them through all that information, go through it, give them your information. And then magically at, you know, 8 a.m. the next morning, you have an email outlining everything that's been done. So even things like some clients like to add, they got Disney gift cards for Christmas for their kids and they want to add them to their account. You have to call those in. So I can make that phone call. I can make sure it's all set up. Uh, You have my number on speed dial. So if you get there on your embarkation day and something's missing... I'm on with Disney Cruise Line, you're off at the pool. Those are some of the things that you can do. You know, even as simple as just asking the question. So you want to know, you know, I have a special dietary need. I need to understand, can I have this food served to me in the, um, the rotating dining rooms? I can call, work with special services, make sure that everything is set up for you. Ask mm-hmm. the questions that you may not be able to find on Disney Cruise Line's website, or you're asking Plan Disney and you're not getting exactly where you want to get to with the questions, or you're in the Facebook chats and people don't have the experience with it. I can call in directly from the source, get the information that you need. But sometimes it's not as easy as talking to just that rep. It's having those relationships with special services. I think the one thing that we haven't talked about either is like when I look at our travel agency, my path unwinding in general, between all of us, we have a (laughs) lot of experience. So we have a lot of experience with families, with children traveling with special needs to traveling with generations. And so to collectively, we use that together to make sure that all of our clients benefit from that information. And so Mm -hmm. when you have a travel agent, those are some of the things that you gain that saves you time from having to go find all that or trying to find that one person that has traveled that has celiacs and it needs to be able to get this type of food or have this type of, you know, coverage or they have, you know, a special medical need that if they're on board and they have emergency, they need to know that the medical staff can respond to it that way. We have that. We can get that information for you if we don't, but probably somebody's encountered it at some point in our agency and we can give you that answer straight away. So you're not spending hours trying to research that. Instead, you can spend hours showing your kids YouTube videos of all the cool things you're going to do. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. You know, you make a a good point about being at an, I'll I'll say being an agency that has more than one agent. And I'm, you know, there are plenty of other, you know, large agencies out there. And so I'm not knocking, you know, individual agents, but, you know, there are times where a travel agent is on vacation themselves 
And I hope that they are enjoying their vacations as much as I am enjoying my vacations. But I also know that when my agent is on her own vacations, her own trips, and if there's something that needs to be done on my booking, that there is coverage available, right? So, you know, there are the the good thing about working with an agency that does have more than one agent, as you mentioned, is you know, having a, a lot more knowledge and collective knowledge. They can ask each other questions. If someone hasn't dealt with something, maybe another agent has. But also the issue of if somebody is you know out sick, if somebody has a family emergency, if somebody is on vacation themselves, they they back each other up. And and we've benefited from that experience, I, I would definitely yeah. say, you know, so that, that I think is, is another important consideration that maybe we haven't touched on that. That doesn't mean every agency is created the same. Let me just put that out there. But my personal thought is if you're going to go with the travel advisor, go with one that has backup. Let's put it that way. The other thing I'll just say quickly is I think it's also to go back all the way to the beginning of the show and talk about finding the right fit. It's important to find the agency that's going to fit with the kind of vacations you want to take. Like if you are parks goers and that's really what you want to do, find the agency that really understands the Disney parks and, and work with them or the agencies, right? If you're a cruiser, cruising is important. Concierge might be important. General luxury travel might be important. General cruising might be important over Disney cruising, right? And so like one thing that I really appreciate about my path unwinding is, you know, Sam and I have started to branch out into some other cruise lines just to try them out. Well, Karen and the agents at my path unwinding are out there on Royal Caribbean trying out star class so that I don't have to pay for that and not know what I'm doing. Right. And we're hoping to have Karen on soon to talk about it because I've, you know, I've grown a little iffy on the concierge offering on Disney cruise line personally, as compared to some of what I'm hearing and seeing on the other cruise lines. Right. And so to have them go experience it and then come back and tell us, here's what it's like, here's where it excelled, here's where it fell down, right? It helps me make decisions with my buying dollar that I don't have to spend my dollar to figure out, right? And I think that that is just, that is important to have a group of people who are out there actively traveling to these places, trying new things and letting you know what's out there. And then for us, it's sort of saying, well, we know you like Disney. When you're like Disney's offering it this, we think you might like this if you tried it out, right? Why don't you give it a go, right? And so I I just think that that is a fabulous sort of benefit of using a travel agent. Angie, I want to ask you one more question before we wind things down here, Wait, which is just one more question too, Brian. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> well, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in here with my question. So Angie, I know that you and Lindsay both are Minnesotans, don't you know? But do you think it's important to have a travel agent that lives near you or in this internet day and age, can we have travel agents all over the country that we use? I think it's she, says with, she says with our agent living in where, where is she Connecticut? <laughs> She's in the Northeast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I would say because we've kind of grown into this virtual environment, it is so easy to work with somebody that is across the country. Lindsay's actually my closest client. I mean, outside of my family that lives two miles away. But <laughs> so it's, it's actually the majority of the people that I work with on travel are scattered across the country. I even have a Canadian that I work right. with um, for travel. So, you know, I think there's enough tools. I think as long as you have a good communication standpoint, good communication in place with your travel agent, you know, you can do Zoom meetings, you can do emails, you can do text, phone calls, whatever you prefer. And that's what's nice about having that is you don't have to necessarily go to a storefront or meet somebody for coffee down the street. You can talk to somebody who's a good fit for you that may be another part of the country. And I think that's what's actually really nice about where the industry has moved Mm -hmm. um, over the course of the last decade or so. Nice. Well, AJ, I wanted to ask so that this doesn't turn into just our big sales pitch for My Path Unwinding, which by the way, 
it is our sales pitch for my path only. But <laughs> what? G- give me three questions you think to circle back. Give me three questions you think that people should ask if they're starting with a new travel agent or looking for a travel agent. And they're sitting down to have that interview. Like, what are the three things that you would encourage that they ask that agent to sort of get a bead on whether or not this is going to be a good fit for them? I think that's a really good question. My guess, first thing that I generally would want to know if I were looking for a travel agent is what services do you offer? Are you do you book the trip? Do you continue to support me throughout the trip? Is there an opportunity for me to continually ask questions? How does that relationship look? Just so you understand what you're getting. Does that travel agent typically send, you know, travel packing tips? Do they give you information on the destination you're going to that's outside of just your hotel or your tour or your theme park tickets that you're doing? So I think understanding what they're offering is the first thing you need to to do so that you know what am I investing in? So if I am investing in this travel agent, what am I getting in return? The next thing I would want to know is their experience. So if you are looking you know, for experience on Disney Cruise Line, if you're looking for experience on Royal Caribbean, if you're experienced, you're looking for options in Hawaii, you want to know that person has that experience. Either they've been there personally, or they've had done extensive research and education because there's a lot of education programs in the travel agency industry that will help you get comfortable with these destinations. So you want to understand what their personal experience is and what their knowledge level is. And then third, I would kind of take a hard look to be honest about what questions they're asking you. Like, do they want to know, are you an active traveler that wants to I love that. I love that. Or or are you a beach person that just wants to sit and soak in the sun? You want to understand, do they care and are they invested in my vacation as much as I am by learning who I am as a traveler and what my family goals are? One of the first things I usually ask my clients is, what are your travel goals? They might come in different forms because they may have already said, I want to take a cruise and I want to cruise in March on Disney Cruise Line. Well, then I might ask questions like, do you like to go, you know, on port adventures? Do your kids travel well or do they need to have a, you know, same day arrival? I don't like same day arrivals, but do they are they going to do okay on an airplane for 6 right. hours and then be able to get on a cruise ship? Those types of questions and I think part of that interview process is you kind of have to take a step back as you're communicating in those first, you know, either phone calls or emails or Zoom call to say does this person care about my vacation or, you know, are they just looking to book another client? And I hate to put it that crassly, but it's an important thing to consider because again, it's an investment. You want to protect that. So you want to interview them just like you would anybody else or any other service that you would use. Yeah. I think your, your last point really also brings into this idea of, of personality, right? Personality fit too. So fit is a lot of things, right? Fit is, you know, do they book the kind of travel that you want to book, right? And fit in that, are your expectations aligned with their expectations? But some of it can also just be like, is this somebody I want to talk on the phone with and text with? And is this somebody I might, I would be friends with outside of this travel relationship, right? Like, I actually think for, for me, that's a hugely important factor. And I would not work with somebody who I just felt like we weren't a good personality fit. So I think that is, it it sort of organically would happen when you're having this conversation and asking these questions and listening to the questions they're asking you. But I wanted to point that out because I think that's a part of this analysis as well. For sure. Well, I want to wrap up by asking Lindsay a question, which is, are you going back on a Disney cruise? And if so, when? We have not booked one yet, but I have been in correspondence with Angie about potential future cruises. The hard part is starting with concierge is 
a little problematic because now I don't yeah. think we're going to go back. <laughs> <laughs> so we might need to like either win the lottery or like save yeah. up a little bit. But I definitely think we will again. And by, you know, Disney cruising aside, like we will continue to utilize Angie and she is definitely our trusted advisor when it comes to traveling. And so it has been all things said with the kind of bumpy road to get there. It has been worth it to learn the lessons learned and then get connected with Angie and my path unwinding. Awesome. I love that. I love that yep. for you. I love that for your family. I will say you can go back there. You know, you will, there were things you will be sad about. That, she says, know, you, she's, hold on. She says, having not gone back yet. <laughs> we are, I listen, I know, I know the exact things that are going to, that I'm going to be sad about. And then I know the things that I'm going to be okay without, right? Like, let what's me your, put what's it your down. biggest thing you're gonna be sad about? I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess. Hold on. Wait, wait. Can, can you can you cover your ears for a second, Sam? Because I'm gonna say to our audience so that I don't want uh, to I'm gonna, I'll take off my headphones. I'm gonna take off my headphones. So I, I think Sam's gonna miss the benefit the most of early show admission, free popcorn and preferred seating. All right, Sam, come on back. All right, okay. Sam, what's the benefit you're gonna miss the most? So uh, there, it's one of two things that I, well, but the, the thing I was going to say is tea sandwiches. Oh, I got it wrong. I got it wrong. <laughs> but the thing I think you're going to say is the access to the theater, the early yes. access to the theater. Yeah. Yes. I knew, I knew that's the way that was going to be your guess. That, that is one thing that I, I will miss, but I will say I, I can get there early enough and wait outside and still get a good enough seat because I have to you have to go pretty early for the concierge early entry already. So I don't it's actually not quite as early if you're going for the regular entry and you could still get a great seat. Well, so I, I, here's what I'll do, Sam. Fit. I'll go to the pool deck. I'll get uh, some hamburgers. We'll cut them up into finger sandwich <laughs> size. You can relive your tea. <laughs> Uh, as much Not as we can same. create maybe an uncrustable cut into finger sandwiches. Yeah, uh, there we go. You, there we there's go. something about those egg salad sandwiches in the lounge that and and then the prosciutto fig sandwich in the lounge. I, those are my two absolute favorite like like mid-afternoon snack items. And so those you just can't get. I think if you go to like the if you pay for that royalty thing the i think you can get them there and you can i know at olaf's picnic that some finger sandwiches but I, i'm not sure it's i'm not sure those are that worth it for just the sandwiches so yeah well there anyway. you have it the key, the key benefits for sam on a disney concierge cruise the tea sandwiches, tea sandwiches. but but <laughs> i just want to i just want to wrap up by saying thank you Lindsay, for coming on sharing your experience i also just want to say next time you sail disney cruise line reach out we want to have you back to actually hear about the cruise itself as opposed yeah. to the process of booking one and angie of course you are always welcome back on the show we love having you so thank you for taking the time and thank you to both of you for sharing uh, your experience with our audience yeah thanks for having thank us thank you very much well, a big thank you to all of you out there for listening this week. We really, really appreciate it. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. We'd also love it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you hit those five stars, that's great. If you leave us a written review along with a five-star review, we will be sure to read it on the air at the end of one of our main episodes. If you're hovering over anything less than five stars, we really want you to reach out to us so we can take your feedback. Best way to do that, head to dclduo.com to find 
find all the ways to connect with us. It links to our podcast, our vlog, our blog, has all the ways you can connect with us on social media, has our Etsy store where you can find our fun beach bags and magnets that we designed as enthusiasts of each of the Disney Cruise Line ships, has a link off to our Patreon if you'd like to help support the show. We really, truly appreciate each and every one of our Patreons for helping to support the show each and every month, has a link off to our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding, where you can get more information about booking a fabulous vacation, which also really helps to support our show. All the things are there, including a way you can sign up to be a guest on the show if you'd like to share your Disney Cruise Line experience. Most importantly, you can always email us at dclduo at gmail.com if you'd like to connect with us, or you can call our voicemail line if you'd like to leave us a message. We love to include the voices of our listeners in our show. Just dial 402-413-5590. That's 402 402- 413-5590 and that will head straight to our Google Voice voicemail line. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent or the great folks over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night.